College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. You're a liberty-loving Latino amigo 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And I want to start off with a, a farewell to an old friend, Bernard McGurk, a broadcast colleague of mine. He was the producer of the Imus in the Morning program and then became the host of the spinoff of I Miss in the Morning, known as Bernie and Sid, and uh, Bernie passed away on Thursday or Wednesday night, and uh, I don't have a lot of words. All I can say is he was an amazing guy, an amazing patriot. He adored his family. He was a tremendous broadcaster. He was always very kind to me. You know, uh, we didn't always have a relationship, and one day he came to me and said, hey, I heard you on the radio over the weekend. And I was like, who is that? And then I heard it was you. And I was like, man, you sound fantastic. And I said, oh, my gosh, Bernie, thank you so much. I mean, you know, from a guy who has a great ear for radio. And you guys have seen him on the Sean Hannity program on television and on the O'Reilly Factor. And, of course, you may have heard him if you listen to radio in the New York market on the Bernie and Sid program. And I just wish his family um, my prayers and condolences uh, for strength during this difficult time. Uh, big shout out to my man, Bernard. He would always come into the studio uh, while I was prepping for my uh, 10 to noon show. And uh, he would just speak really fast because he grew up in the Bronx and had Puerto Rican friends. And he would say, Mira que pasa, papi. <laughs> and it was funny because he's a big, tall Irish guy. But uh, God bless you, Bernie. Godspeed and uh, may you rest your soul. Now, in other news, because we can't stay on that or I'll get really upset. We know that on Monday, Joe El Baboso Biden went to Puerto Rico. And that's right, Joe El Baboso Biden was, I'm going to say he was renamed by the internet to Jose, Jose El Boricua Biden. That's right, because Joe Biden says that he was raised in the Puerto Rican community. Listen to this. I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. What does that mean? getting raised in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. Now, listen, I was raised in the Puerto Rican community of my family, right? We were Americans of Puerto Rican descent. We lived in Brooklyn, New York at that time when I was a little kid. And my mom would cook rice and beans and fried chicken. And it was, you know, it was as Puerto Rican as it came. That's what my parents were. But Joe Biden, I mean, come on, he's a Biden. Now, of course, you've heard him on tape saying, I was raised in the black church. I was this, I was that. I mean, he's been all over the place with these comments. Joe El Baboso Biden seems to have hit his head, and I think he's wearing one of those weaves. Now, I don't know if you guys uh, peruse Instagram, but I love it. I watch Instagram stories and reels and the videos on the Instagram uh, social media app probably more than I watch TV because they're so funny to me. And one of the things that always recurs, like every month somebody posts or reposts this woman. She looks like Miss Cleo, the lady that has the uh, West Indian uh, Jamaican type of accent and is a fortune teller. At least she used to be on TV years ago. 
And this Miss Cleo like person comes out and she's like, oh, I love this hair. She like unboxes weaves, hair weaves, like wigs. And in one of the episodes of her unboxing, she, she pulls out the hair and she says, oh, I feel like a Puerto Rican in this hair, like a Puerto Rican. Let me see if I can play you that audio. Can we get that? All right, listen to this. I felt like a Spanish, like a Puerto Rican in this hair. I felt Puerto Rican. Y'all know I love me some Puerto Rican. I felt Puerto Rican in this. Rican. Ooh. Now she's singing Bitty Bitty Bam Bam. Now, of course, Miss Bitty Bitty Bam Bam here. She thinks that Selena, the world famous Mexican singer that was uh, assassinated by her own management team, I guess that she's thinking she's Puerto Rican. And I think her son is videotaping her and he says, Mom, Selena's not Puerto Rican? It wasn't Puerto Rican, bro. Selena wasn't Puerto Rican? No. <laughs> Selena wasn't Puerto Rican. Neither is Joel Baboso Biden, but we have renamed him to Jose. Jose El Boricua Biden. Of course, Boricua comes from the term Borinquen, which is uh, the indigenous name for the tribe, uh, the Taino tribe that was indigenous to Puerto Rico back in the day. And I just think it's very, very funny because this is what came to mind when Joe Biden, of course, um, took to the podium saying that he was, in fact, raised in the uh, Puerto Rican community. I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. Of course, politically. <laughs> Let us clarify. I was politically raised by that community, of course. Uh, I, I, this guy is just so full of it. He's such a fake. He's such a phony. He's such a fraud. But that's where we are. Now, I want to go over a couple of headlines because there's a few things going on here. You've got federal agents that are investigating Hunter Biden. They're saying there's enough evidence to charge him with tax fraud, false statements. And um, I think that's about it. Those two tax fraud and false statements during his gun purchase. So um, keep your eyes peeled for that. I don't know how much more we're going to see from that. Uh, a couple of people that have been following this closely have told me for months to expect that he will be charged. He will be indicted. They don't believe he'll do jail time. They think he'll get, uh, you know, a year, 18 months of, of um, not community service, but probation. We will see how that goes. I'm not, I'm not convinced of it yet. I think oftentimes the trade-off is, how about you drag my name through the mud? How about you get the federal agents that are investigating the case to come out and say, we think that there's enough to charge you. And then that's enough of a black eye where I don't actually have to get charged. I've already been tried in the court of public opinion. And let's call it a day. And a lot of times people make those types of deals, especially when your dad is the president and he's very, very crooked. And I don't want to say crooked. He's he's your run of the mill Washington politician, but he happens to have all of the power because of the position that he's in. Now, here's another one. Uh, a judge has temporarily blocked the Times Square, quote unquote, gun free zone. That's good news. Uh, I don't know how long that block is going to last, but that's what's going on. There was also a, an accident today. Vice President, que mala eres. That's right. In Spanish, that means how bad she is. Vice President Kamala Harris, who I have affectionately nicknamed que mala eres, was in an automobile accident. So far, she is okay. But now they're saying that 
there was a cover-up and that the Secret Service agents that are responsible for driving her around may have been involved in trying to cover this up. I don't know how true that is. I'm not making that statement. I'm reading it here. Let me see who's reporting this so that uh, I'm covered here. Uh, Blaze Media, uh, Chris Enlow, has uh, the story. And basically the uh, update that I'm looking at here says the Secret Service is being accused of downplaying an incident an accident, excuse me, involving Vice President Kim Malaitis and her motorcade that required Harris to be transported to a different vehicle. On Monday, a TikTok video of Harris's motorcade blocking a tunnel in Washington, D.C. went viral. The video shows Secret Service agents escorting Harris from a black SUV that people in the video said had crashed. So we will uh, keep you up to speed on that. I mean, it's not earth-shattering news. Uh, They're also uh, reporting that Kamala Harris is going to be heading over to Texas. And, of course, they're not sure if she's going to visit the border. I could almost bet you, I don't know, what do you want to do? Pinky promise? Uh, You want to bet a a lunch, a dinner? Listen, I'm willing to bet you she's not going to do it. She's not going to do it because it's too close to Election Day. And for her to go there now with zero solutions, what's she going to do? Go there and say, I'm shutting down the border. Kamala Harris has spoken. No, it's not going to happen. So keep her away so you don't get the bad press of video of of you being there doing absolutely nothing. Anyway, Biden's also saying that MAGA Republicans are responsible for the um, federal appeals court striking down the DACA decision saying that, yeah, it's unconstitutional and upholding what a federal judge in Texas had held, uh, I think it was earlier this year or maybe late last year. So DACA, if you are a DACA recipient or participant, you're not affected by this, but nobody new will be able to apply for the DACA program. And this is something I think uh, I've heard for quite a while, that this is just not constitutional. There's no executive order that could circumvent immigration law. It just, it doesn't happen. It may be happening right now, but we're fighting it. And eventually Biden will be out and things will get back to normal. But the question is how much damage will be done in that time frame? I think that's where the question lies. Anyway, let us continue. There's a bunch of things I want to get to because uh, you didn't hear from me on Tuesday. Forgive me for that. I did not do the Tuesday episode, but here I am welcoming you into the weekend. And Big shout out to all my friends at 1210 WPHT, by the way. I want to make sure I um, say hello to everybody on the podcast as well. I thank you for listening. Trust me, I know when you listen because we can see the numbers go up and down. Even in other countries, quick aside, uh, we, we chart in the United States, usually in the top 100 or 200 of the Apple news commentary chart. Uh, but they, they also um, have charts in other countries. And uh, this is America with Rich Valdez is popular in Poland as it is in Brazil. So I want to say thank you to everybody in Poland. I don't speak Polish, but I do speak a little Portuguese. I want to say, obrigado, tudo joia, tudo beleza, meu gente, because I appreciate you guys tuning in. Now, let me continue here because there's some audio that I wanted to play for you, a bunch of stuff. I was in Miami over the weekend, and I saw this news clip from MSNBC about Hispanics, and there was an MSNBC poll saying that the GOP is winning over Latino voters on the economy, and inflation is the number one issue for Hispanic voters. And I was thinking, duh, I mean, that's the number one issue from pretty much any voter that's not brain dead. But we'll get into that in, in a subsequent uh, segment. Right now, I want to talk about why it took Joe Biden a trip to grandstand a little bit to show that, you know, he he's 
trying to show up Trump because he did it a year to the day of Trump's visit five years earlier for Hurricane Maria, where he showed up to talk about Hurricane Fiona, promising them $60 million for uh, relief efforts. And the question here is, you know, Trump was criticized for saying, look, I will give the money. We're going to help out. But the problem was he was criticizing the local government officials in Puerto Rico, saying they're not doing their job and you can't throw good money after bad. So we have to make sure this is the right thing to do. And there was plenty of proof. There were pallets and pallets of, of, of food and water that were sent, and they went bad because of all of this union stronghold that they have at the ports. And up until a few days ago, for two weeks, Biden was letting people starve, people who needed generators to keep their, their lights on because there's no power on the island of Puerto Rico. And Biden was saying, well, my union friends, uh, you know, they've got the, the, the Jones Act, and it's about the America First stuff. And I don't mean Trump America first, meaning it's got to be an American ship bringing American products, et cetera, et cetera. And there was a ship that was available and ready and saying, hey, look, we have we have uh, diesel that you can put in those generators and we can, you know, we're waiting for you to say that we can dock. I don't know about you. I love Made in America all day long, too. I'll spend the extra money if I have it to do the Made in America product. I absolutely Always opt for made in Bangladesh over made in China or made in, in anywhere but China. But in a emergency, a natural disaster, a hurricane where people need this gasoline and it's right there waiting at your port just to dock. I think it's sinful and inhumane to not say, all right, we're going to waive the Jones Act so you can bring this one shipment in uh, or if there's two shipments, whatever it is. But let's get it in right now. Because, you know, by the time we fill up the tanker and get it out there and whatever on the American-owned ship, it's going to take longer time. And there's hospitals that are relying on this stuff. But that's not what Biden did. Instead, he backpedaled, you know, telling the Puerto Rican officials, no, we're going to get it. You. We're going to get you, giving him lip service, uh, the, the, the governor there. And I think, you know, it's, it's done in poor taste. It's not what you do to satisfy your union friends. And, you know, I'm not an anti-union person per se. Although I typically have many anti-union sentiments because so many of the unions have been taken over by the Marxist left. But irrespective of that, I think as president, you got to do what's right. When Hurricane Maria hit, President Trump was the first one waving the Jones Act, making sure that everything that needed to get there was getting there and it was getting there fast because he's a smart guy and he's a compassionate guy and he knew what needed to be done. But Biden instead goes to Puerto Rico and gives his speech to say that, you know what, he was raised by Puerto Ricans politically. Such a sad day. China has police stations in the United States. We're going to get to that and more. Plus, Kanye West and Candace Owens make an appearance wearing White Lives Matter shirts. I want to talk about that a little bit as well. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my trip to Miami, which was uh, not very eventful, but it was it was fun. And I got a great tan so I'm, I'm excited about that. And kids in Philly have gone absolutely wild. I've seen in the last few days probably three, four, five news articles where it was 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. Teenagers are going wild, causing serious damage. And I don't think that people are paying enough attention to, to this specific phenomena, that it's young people that are losing their minds and going buck wild. So anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. 
Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to jump into some of this stuff. It is still Hispanic Heritage Month. And I don't know about you, but I remember recently, and I think you may have heard this already, but... Vice President Kamala Harris, or a.k.a. Kamala Harris, she recently said that it's um, not just Hispanics, but all minorities that suffer the most from hurricanes because these hurricanes are vis-a-vis targeting minorities. Now, I know people can say you're misconstruing what she's saying, Rich. She's not saying that the hurricane is going after minorities unfairly. She's saying that because they're disproportionately poorer than everyone else, that they go through it in a in a more difficult manner. Well, if that's the case, then it has nothing to do with the hurricane. They go through everything in a more disproportionate manner, right? It has nothing to do with climate-specific events. But let's listen to what old good Kemala Eres had to say. It is our um, lowest-income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and, and so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Yeah, uh, no, hard no for me. The reason I say hard no is because who am I to ensure fairness for all people in terms of the outcome, right? And you've heard this argument a million times. I can't sit here and say, look, well, because, you know, my dad made a million dollars with his company, your dad should make a million dollars. No, the obvious idea is everybody's dad can put together a business plan or try to and work hard to make a million dollars. They have this opportunity in different ways. Some guys are going to do it through opening an auto body place. Others are going to do it by uh, buying real estate. 
Others are going to do it by becoming uh, professionals like doctors or lawyers. Everybody has a different angle. The point is that you have the opportunity here and the opportunity is equal to everybody. It doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be the same for everybody and that if you somehow start out disadvantaged, that somehow the government's got to come and prop you up. Because if that were the case, then shoot, why, why did I ever drive a hoopty? Why did I ever drive a car with, with rust holes in it? If I could just look at my neighbors and say, oh, well, that guy's got a brand new car, you know? I like the Cadillac Escalade, FYI. If anybody in the government wants to give me one instead of take my taxes, how about you give me a nice truck? That would be fantastic. I'd love that. Obviously, that doesn't happen. And, and people know that. And it's not just minorities that know that. Everybody knows that. But there's this NBC poll that says that uh, Latino voters are leaning towards the GOP on the economy and that inflation is the number one issue. And of course, like I said before, I think, duh, that's obvious. To me, it's, it's a no-brainer. But MSNBC is fascinated with this, and I played a little bit of this last time for you, but I want to play it one more time, uh, a different video, because to me, uh, it's interesting to see how the media responds when they're faced with the reality of people that they thought they owned like Hispanics, and they say, oh, uh, yeah, no, yeah, we're, we're probably going to vote for the Republicans because you guys suck. Listen to this. She wants the party to take stronger action on issues like abortion and voting rights. But our poll found that the top issues for Latinos was actually the cost of living. We see that prices are through the roof, and we want to know what people are going to do to help put that burden down. In conservative stronghold states like Texas, signs of a political shift among Latino voters, with more now leaning Republican. Jose Arriola and Maria Batres live in El Paso. Maria, you were a Democrat and you are now a Republican. Why? Because uh, the fact that the Democratic Party has changed a lot and identify more with the uh, Republican Party. What things? Well, we're for God, country, family, and hard work. Hold on a second. Hold on. Stop the presses. You see, when you say, especially if you're what they call a far right Latina, if you are a far right Latina, you cannot say that you're for God, family, country and hard work. You just can't say it. That's fascist, ma'am. Right. At least that's what the left has been telling me. But listen to what her husband had to say. Jose used to vote blue, too. Now he's also a Republican and most concerned with immigration and beefing up border security. What are the concerns that you have about immigration? The fact of the matter is that we, you know, we don't feel safe anymore. They don't feel safe anymore. So many Americans don't feel safe anymore. I got to tell you, I got to travel into New York City every now and again. Not as much as I used to. Why? Because it's a hellhole. Eric Adams, who in the last episode we talked about why on earth would he go to Puerto Rico? Um, uh, now we know he's probably trying to rub elbows with Jose El Boricua Biden. But... Now that we know um, he's done a horrible job in New York, don't let this man near any any city that he could destroy. People are scared. Two episodes ago, we talked about a teenager that was killed and, and they let the guy out on bail for some sort of aggravated assault or manslaughter. And now it's been upgraded to felony murder. Thank God. The guy admitted to killing the guy because he was a Trumper. He said he was a radical MAGA Republican. Nobody's even trying to hold Biden accountable, saying, hey, you're the one that came up with this term and popularized it in your speech with that blood red background in Philadelphia. And I love Philadelphia. But I'm just saying, 
I don't love Biden. So it's not just Hispanics that feel this way. But yes, Hispanics are by and large, uh, again, they're not a monolith. So I, I don't want to say that they, they all think this way. But many Hispanics, even the ones that are, are leftists, the ones that I know, I know Hispanics that are very left-leaning and they went to Catholic school. They were raised as Catholics or as as practicing Christians, and they may have gone off, uh, you know, in a different direction, done their own thing. But faith was still central to their upbringing. And, you know, some of them did it with their kids and sent their kids to Catholic school and others didn't. But I just find it remarkable how if they made that choice, that's fine. I'm not saying that you can't be, you know, you can't be a Democrat if you were raised you know, as a Catholic Hispanic. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that even the ones that disagree and and outwardly say, I'm not doing that, I'm not for that, I'm not involved in this, even those Americans of Hispanic descent, even they still acknowledge the, the, the centrality of faith in so many Hispanic cultures. And with faith comes trying to do the right thing, and with faith comes, you know, respecting the 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 will of of the church in many ways so a lot of churches take this pro-life position so i mean just there's so much of it that makes sense to me but again all aside we're not a monolith right and americans aren't a monolith you can't say oh my gosh in america you got all these white people like bernie sanders or like elizabeth warren you know not all white people are are radical leftists progressive marxists like they are so it's wrong to generalize that way and i i agree with that but I think for too long, the media was telling people how they could think and how they could feel, especially when it was dominated to two main networks, Univision and Telemundo, the two Spanish language networks that pretty much had the market cornered on leftism. So everywhere you turned, you know, I've got people that I meet that, you know, will will bet the house and their family on the fact that they saw Donald Trump say that Mexicans are rapists, they're sending us their killers. And, you know, not understanding the context or the full clip or bothering to read a transcript because they saw it with their own eyes. They heard it with their own ears. And that was all they needed when somebody was spinning it in the media to make him look horrible. So I realized the damage that left wing media can do. And this is why I try to get up every day and do what I do and try to set the record straight and give you an alternative idea and something different to think about and, uh, you know, and do my spiel. And I know that each of you do it in your own way as you go about your day. And in my opinion, you're probably way more effective than I am because if people aren't in a car or listening to a podcast, they're not going to really hear what I have to say unless I'm saying it on TV and if they're watching TV. But the people that you see every day in your path that you come across in the grocery store or here, there, or anywhere else, those are real people that are talking to you, not a talking head like me, but they're talking to you, somebody they know, somebody they trust, somebody they love. So keep that in mind and realize how strong you are and how much of an impact you can have. Don't lose faith. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump 
thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good, Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, please give me a follow there. And thanks for subscribing and sharing this with your friends. And when you click subscribe, at least on the podcast link, if you're listening uh, after the fact, then uh, you can hear it anytime you want. You just get a notification that says, hey, there's a new episode. If you want to listen to it, then great. If not, listen to it whenever you like. That's the beauty of on-demand listening. But, of course, the beauty of live radio, right? You could hear this over the air Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6 a.m. on WPHT 1210, 50,000 powerful watts of free speech coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love where the Constitution was born. So uh, make sure you check it out. It really means a lot to me. I would appreciate you doing that to help me out and to spread the word of liberty as we ring this bell of liberty, bing, together. Um, this is... Um, important step sharing the info now i want to move on to el trompito donaldus magnus the 45th president of these united states el presidente and donaldus magnus was speaking at the america first works um hispanic leadership conference the agenda de america primero is how it was translated this was on c-span and this happened on wednesday and he was describing how the media is just so crazy in their attempt to say that he reached through the bulletproof glass of the beast, the presidential limo, to uh, <laughs> accost one of the Secret Service agents. And it's humorous and typical Trump style. I want you to listen to this. In order to get the Secret Service to take me to the Capitol, I grabbed one around the neck. And I, and you know, I almost didn't want to dispute it because a lot of people said, I never knew you were that physically tough. This guy was a tough guy that I supposedly grabbed. If I grabbed him around the neck, I think I would have been in serious trouble. I would have needed Jorge to bail me out. <laughs> no, they make up things, and uh, when they find out it's a phony story, they don't want to put it down that it was a, it was a totally make. Can you imagine? Fake, phony, fraud, that's what the media does uh, best, sadly. Now, El Trumpito, he's had some uh, developments, right? Uh, a couple of wins in the courtroom where the uh, judge has basically said that some of the items in his in his um, cache of documents uh, had to be set aside for being held under executive privilege. And I think that's a good thing. But it doesn't stop the media from doing what they do. Another thing that the media did, and this is a doozy, right, with their fake phony fraudness. Uh, and I tweeted this out um, maybe on Tuesday afternoon, but I want to just touch on it briefly because why... Well, I'll tell you why, because I think it's um, it's interesting in the least when these types of fake news stories blow up in the face of the media. And what I mean by that is, you know, I saw a piece in Newsweek and they were citing the piece in The New York Times about how the person that was ar arrested, a guy named Yu, right? Why Yu was his name. This guy's the CEO of a company called Connect. I hope I'm saying that right. K-O-N-N-E-C-H. Maybe it's Connect, but I think it's Connect. And it's a software company that handles election information, not necessarily ballots and whatnot, but more so the management of elections, like who the poll workers are and what places. And they're in multiple states. One of the states that they're in is Los Angeles or California. 
And interesting, this is a Michigan-based company. And part of their deal in order to handle the elections is that the people that have access to the data have to be resident aliens at a minimum and that they will not store any of this information overseas, that it has to be stored on servers that are in the United States. Well, lo and behold, um, some information has come out and they Los Angeles County District Attorney, super left wing, crazy, pro-crime progressive. You'd think this guy is Larry Krasner's brother. His name is George Gascon, uh, who's facing a recall as well. And he decides, well, we're going to prosecute this guy because we found out that he did keep some of this information in servers. Guess where? In China. That's right. So the conspiracy theorists, or at least that's what they were called when they said, you guys were putting that information on servers and the Chinese had access to it. I know that was one of the quote unquote conspiracy theories that I'd heard in the past. And uh, according to the media. And now we know that that actually happened. That's that's true. So they arrest this guy for violating this law for in effect. They're saying he stole their information and took it to China. And they've arrested this guy. Now, I'm sure there's more to it than meets the eye. And and I can't wait to find out what that more is. But just looking at it for face value, fascinating, right? Because the New York Times says that, you know, election deniers and conspiracy theorists are salivating over somebody getting arrested because there, there are a bunch of people that are obsessed with arrests. I happen to know some really, really well. And they're like, you know, we can't move forward if we don't fix this, Richie. No, yes, we can. You know what? Because I know people who've had members of their families murdered. And sometimes you don't get the bad guy and you never get this family member back. And you do move forward with a tragic loss. When people steal things from you, when people take the lives of loved ones away from you, you still move on. It doesn't mean that's going to happen every day. That's just the truth. So for people who've bought into this this fake phony fraud dichotomy this false equivalent of of thinking we can, we can, why would we have an election in 2022 if we still haven't figured out the election of 2020 please take your head out of wherever you have it hidden in and think for one second think for one second the last time you were gypped and ripped off for any reason about anything did you stop doing that thing forever some of you might say, yeah, you know, I went to the Bronx once. I got, I got robbed at gunpoint. I'm never going there again. All right, that's on you. But guess what? I've been to the city a, a million times. And, and all those times I've been to the city, I've never been robbed. And God forbid I, I ever do. Thank God I haven't. But my point is, lots of people go through things. And when they go through a traumatic experience, you don't just stop. You don't just say, I'm never going to the city again until we fix this crime problem. No, you got to get it under control. You address the crime problem. And certain states have done what they've done. Philadelphia is not, I mean, uh, Pennsylvania has not been as effective with uh, Act 77. But all of that aside, my point is you can't expect, hope for the best, expect the worst, yes. But you can't expect to get ripped off and robbed every single time. If you do, then it's an absolute defeatist way to think. You're guaranteed to lose every single time. How could you ever win? You tell me how you could win if you're expecting to lose every single time. And I say, look at the people that are winning. Ron, uh, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump. Look at these guys. Are they out there crying? No, they acknowledge that there's a problem. And they say, here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to raise money like it's going out of style. 
We're going to go out there and hold rallies. We're going to get people. We're going to push back on the media. We're going to push back on the politicians. We're going to push back on social media. We're going to push back everywhere we can. TV commercials here, there, and everywhere else. Live events, rallies, you name it, we're pushing back. I don't hear Trump calling for a civil war. I don't hear Trump saying, forget about the elections. They're going to cancel the elections. It's not going to be elections. No, he's saying quite the contrary. He keeps teasing. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. But I'm not running. Right. And I think he's going to run. For a while, I didn't think he was going to run. But now I think he's actually going to run. I think everybody thinks it's either him or Ron DeSantis. Right. And and how wrong could we be? And Nikki Haley fits into that somewhere because she's working really hard. And so does Mike Pompeo. So they've got a little team there. Maybe they're going to compete. Maybe they're going to work together. I don't know yet. I don't think they, they have it all figured out. I think there's a certain competitive nature to politics that you just can't ever uh, count out. But all of that being said, we can't just assume that we're always going to lose. And this story that the New York Times put out turns out to, to become truth. And people are all over Twitter and whatnot saying, you know, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? A couple of days, right? Because two days later, after the New York Times put the story out on, on uh, I think it was Monday, the next thing you know, boom, there's a story uh, following up on Stuart Thompson's piece where they're just letting everybody know that, yeah, this guy was in fact arrested. CEO Eugene Yu, Y-U, was arrested in Michigan on charges of theft of personal data. New York Times uh, article still has their thoughts that this is being thoroughly debunked, but it hasn't. The guy's in custody. It has nothing to do per se with election fraud. There's no way of tying this thus far to the changing of votes or anything like that, but it jeopardized the integrity of the information of the poll workers. And, you know, it doesn't take too much to think, all right, well, why would you want the poll worker info? Maybe to intimidate, maybe to get them to sway, maybe to know where they are, maybe they're in on the scam. If there is a scam, it gives you a reason to look more, right? Because it doesn't pass the smell test. So I think this is a good thing. But the fake news media will always try and get one over on you. So I think this is a win for the good guys where we, they've been forced to uh, kind of tell the truth, you know, and say, all right, you know what? We messed up here. Even if they're not saying it, it's abundantly clear. One of their guys is in jail. And they said that this whole thing was fake and phony and fraud. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. We're going to wrap this up with some final thoughts and one more final topic on what's going on with teenagers all across America and a little bit of a clip of what happened with some teenagers a few days back in Philly. It's very, uh, very unfortunate. Don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez, this is America. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And the question here is, if your kid feels like the opposite sex, is it the cure for homosexuality to have them lop off their genitalia and become a member of the opposite sex? This is the question that I have. If you want to chime in, let me know, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Chime in on social media. But here's a headline from Fox News. And I want to jump right into this because I think it's it's disturbing to say the least. 
that the American Medical Association, the AMA, is asking the Department of Justice to investigate, quote unquote, disinformation against gender surgeries for minors. Now, I truly believe that it should be a crime, a form of child abuse or or whatever you want to call it. Just they're not at the age of majority. I don't think parents should have any right to change their kid's sex before the kid is 18. I think you should give the kid the chance to decide when they reach their own age of majority. That's just my belief. I I think, um, you know, the argument can be made. We heard in the last episode how that one transgender uh, teenager felt and then transitioned back, what they call detransitioning. So it's an interesting topic, but there's some audio that I want you to hear that to me I found alarming, but these parents think this is the best thing ever. They think they should win Parent of the Year Award because lo están haciendo muy bien. They're just doing this so, so well. I want you to listen to this. Like so many nine-year-old girls, Lucy Tid loves to dance. I love that I'm very flexible and that I can do a bunch of stunts and stuff in my dancing and that I'm very athletic. She also loves to play the keyboard. But Lucy's life wasn't always this easygoing. That's because Lucy wasn't always Lucy. When my child Benjamin was born back in 2006, uh, he was born um, Benjamin Thomas Tidd. Bridget says Benjamin was headstrong from birth and struggled with behavioral issues. But she says there were other things that were different about Benjamin. We noticed at a young age there was this tendency to want to um, dress up and want to do what I do every day. And he used to love, if I had high heels on, he would love to hear the sound. He said, I love that sound, Mama. Okay, hold on a second. So he had behavioral trouble. Guess who else had that? Me, that's who. I had lots of behavioral trouble. I was always in trouble in second grade and whatnot because I was a, you know, not a well-behaved kid, probably ADD that was undiagnosed back then. But whatever the case is, so, oh, mama, I love the sound of high heels. All of a sudden, that's, all right, well, let's get you some puberty blockers stat. Let's grow out your hair. Let's make sure you never hit puberty. You never grow a beard. You never, you know, develop as, as, as a young man. And that's going to be the, the answer to your problem. So when you're 32 years old and you're like, man, I'm not really a woman. Like, I can't really get pregnant. I actually have a penis. Uh, did I do the right thing? This is weird. I can't really find a good mate here. They look at me. They're like, oh, my gosh, you're so pretty. Oh, but you're a dude. Uh, hold on. So we're going to have to brainwash everybody into thinking this is okay because he liked the sound of the high heels because he had behavior problems. Now, I'm not trying to blame this kid for anything. This kid is being a kid like every other kid. You know, I played dress up too, not as a girl necessarily, but, uh, I, I like to do G.I. Joe. I thought I was a cop. I thought I was a firefighter. And yeah, there were times I put my sister's tutu on my head and I dance around. Oh, I'm a ballerino. You know, I mean, kids do silly things. And I do mean I did that as a kid. I didn't do that last week, just for the record. But my point here is you can't just allow a, a parent who's, who's feeling emotional. This is not based on any science. We've already discussed that the, the science is not settled on this. Doctors themselves say that this is not settled science. But yet, the American Medical Association is saying that the Department of Justice, the Federal Department of Justice, needs to now um, investigate people, right? And here's, here's some of the article. A group of national medical associations are asking President Biden's Department of Justice to investigate alleged disinformation campaigns against transgender surgeries for minors. The American Medical Association, Children's Hospital Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, 
uh, combined sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland on Monday asking the department to take swift action to investigate and prosecute individuals responsible for what they alleged are increasing threats of violence against hospitals and physicians targeted for providing evidence-based gender-affirming care, end quote. Now, first, I'm going to say, look, if you're calling up hospitals and saying, uh, are you the chief of the trans department? I'm going to mess you up. I'm going to beat you senseless. Then, yeah, they should just call the regular police. And and it, I don't think that's a federal crime. I think it's a local crime. And do what you got to do, because that's not how you handle a situation like this. But that being said, if this is another ruse, like we found out when they said that the parents were showing up at school board meetings with, you know, uh, torches and, and pitchforks, which none of it was true. But they did that so that the Department of Justice could get involved and create a threat tag and, and follow people and arrest certain moms that they did for having a, a boisterous voice. Well, now I say that's government overreach. And now I say that has to stop. And we've got to call it out and expose it so that people know exactly what's going on. And this, to me, sounds just like that National School Boards Association letter, right? We found out the School Board Association letter was concocted uh, in conjunction with the Department of Justice. And then we find out that the attorney general's son-in-law has a stake in, in the game when it comes to the School Board Association and certain curriculums. So I look at this and I say the AMA the uh, Children's Hospital, CHA, and the American Academy of Pediatrics, did they really write a letter to Merrick Garland where he's forced to respond? Or did people within the Department of Justice say, hey, put this in a letter and send it to us so that we could go after these people and we can keep cranking out these, you know, um, hybrid kids, you know, boy, girl, whatever, it doesn't matter. We can have a genderless society. Soon you'll be able to pick your eye color permanently. So th this is my thought here that I don't think we should necessarily believe it because this particular Department of Justice doesn't have a track record of doing things fairly or honestly. And I think that is important for us to keep in mind as we stand for the things we believe in. And we have to, you know, that's from Hamilton. You got to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So now is the time for you to stand up and do something. And no, don't threaten the hospital. But yes, get involved in whatever civil action you think needs help. It needs your support where you can lend yourself to this and get it done. Don't wait for somebody to give you the lead. Be the lead yourself. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time. Oh, and by the way, I've got a big announcement I'm going to put on the next one, uh, or at least when I'm going to make this big announcement. So um, stay tuned for that and keep uh, your eyes peeled on my social media as well. And I appreciate all of your support as always. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 